Archie. Pull the lever, crunk. <laughs> That's right. We're we're a Riverdale recap podcast here to talk about chapter 134, A Different Kind of Cat, written by Ariana Jackson and Evan Kyle, directed by Kevin Rodney Sullivan. Yeah. This almost came out on my birthday. It, it came out on my mom's birthday. Congratulations to moms everywhere. <laughs> All moms are born on the same day. We are recording this, of course, on Martin Luther King Day. Yes. Remember that time? <laughs> do, you, do you remember? Do you remember that time? At, at the beginning of the season? No, no. The no. time when Tabitha went back in time. Yeah. And her first thought was, I have to stop them shooting Dr. King. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Where is Tabitha? Is she off? Trying to take care of that? Like... Which Tabitha? Any Tabitha. Okay. Any Tabitha that can time travel. Because 50s Tabitha is still, like, doing She's still national like an... tours. Yes, yes. What? Angel Tabitha. Angel Tabitha is eradicating the racism particles from the timeline, and she needs help. I don't know if she's doing a great job. <laughs> Miss that girl. Miss her. <laughs> Uh, what girl do we have instead? Instead, we are going to uh, go see Betty. Yeah, Betty. She's she's writing the Teenage Mystique. Uh, uh, well, her column in the Teenage Mystique. Yes, yes. Very talking about how how something has happened to her. Really summarizing all this shit that's happened to her uh, during her journey to find yeah, herself. Is this episode after a break? Were they hoping for people to suddenly tune in for the last four episodes of the show? No, this aired seven days after the Weird. previous. Weird. Because, like, throughout this whole episode, I feel like there's a lot of summarizing that happens. <laughs> Fair, yeah. From many yeah. characters. Like, hey, you remember these 12 things that happened? <laughs> so she uh, summarizes her whole season plot story. Mm -hmm. Up to getting slapped in the face by her mother. Yes. And so uh, her column is going to be her manifesto. She is turning this newsletter uh, uh, with an advice column into a book. She's publishing The Teenage Mystique as a book. Who's publishing it? It's a fine life, Carrie in the da 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 Mighty fine life. You need to learn more words. I do. I do. I'm kind of upset at you right now. It's not even the right song. They print the, the yeah. papers to a different song entirely. Yeah, yeah, they do. So anyway, this book is going to be about... This is the story you wanted to write, so tonight is the night that... You... That one. You need to sing that one. The truth about being a teenager. Yeah, she's doing that before school, <laughs> mm -hmm. because we all have 20 lives before school. Um, and then so we go over to the school, and we got Jughead and Veronica, who are like waiting outside the school and he's mm -hmm. like so how, how are we gonna play this what's the strategy you gonna walk it first then me like what and she's like uh-uh and they walk in holding hands quote veronica lodge's signature color may be purple but she is no shrinking violet okay if they're holding hands it must be serious and everyone is staring at them and all i'm thinking throughout all of this is what about betty <laughs> 
And then Betty is also staring. At them. And then Betty walks past them and is like, "What the fuck? <laughs> what? What? What?" But she also doesn't seem that like upset. So even though I was under the impression that I thought Veronica and Betty were like in a relationship, yeah, I guess they weren't. They're not steady. They're not exclusive. It's weird. What happens in the musical stays in the musical, even if it's the special song you had written for you by Cole Porter. <laughs> but yeah, so, the, so they walk in. I will say it looks like Jughead has like on under his button up shirt, like his the very, it looks like first season color palette as mm, shirt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's gray on gray, early times. Uh, but they, they get to the locker mm-hmm. and he's like, wowza, haven't had that many peepers on me before. <laughs> and she's like, I have when I came in as a sexy teen witch costume. And he's like, what? They, they have like an insert flashback to, yep, there she is dressed up as a, as a sexy witch. And yeah, that's worth remembering. And she's like, Jughead Jones, do you have some a thing for sexy teen witches? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> Fucking do. I want to see that. Now, this is obviously setting up Jughead Jones being the creator of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. But it does make me think of the, the comic book run of uh, the Jughead book when Ryan North took over, where he was dating Sabrina for a while. Yeah. Because... She had a part-time job, uh, advert- like passing out flyers for pops, dressed as a giant burger. Yeah. He just wanted to date the, a, a burger. A burger. <laughs> well, I'm just over here like, you know, Jughead should have been around for that. <laughs> he should have seen her sexy witch costume, but yeah. he doesn't have friends and isn't in any of the main storylines ever. So, of course, he didn't see her walking around school for an entire fucking day. In her sexy witch costume. This is the first of two details in this episode that really go to show that when everyone got time zapped into 1955, <laughs> things are not not as they were. Because Sabrina Spellman is an actual real person who lives in the next town over in, yes. in real time. Yes. Yes. Uh, Archie is mm-hmm. showing Miss Grundy uh, his new poem. And she digs it. And she's like, wow, it's like you grew up overnight. What happened? And he kind of goes, uh, you know, stuff. I I saw a sunrise as we get a flash to him and Reggie with Twyla. There's a lot of flashes. She's like, well, keep doing what you're doing, Archie. And he's like, I'm definitely going to. (laughs) That's plan A. Oh, yeah. Yes. I'm going to keep having sex (laughs) with my best friend. I like the way it makes my penis feel, Miss Grundy. I enjoy it. My best friend liked it too. Yeah, I like the way it makes his penis feel. That's not normal. <laughs> what do you mean? I am simple boy. Uh, so then we cut to uh, Tony and Cheryl who are processing more photos. Sure, sure. Uh, and now it's time for Grundy's class. Uh, and during class, uh, Jughead is inspired. He is sketching away at a mm-hmm, sexy teenage mm-hmm. witch, which looks very familiar. Yes. I didn't uh, stop the credits to see if, like, there was a special thanks to Dan Parent, but this is a Dan Parent it, picture. There had I, to have been. I can tell. There had to have been. I know Dan Parent when I see him. 
so in the student lounge, uh, Julian is talking with Reggie, and he's like, no, nah, you're pulling my chain, man. At the same nah. time, you and Big Red, come on. And then he's like, hey, Archie, who's at the, like, pop machine, like, is it true you took a ride on the town bicycle together? Well, the bicycle is for rent. It's not, uh... <laughs> And everyone's like, what? And Betty's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then Betty leaves the student lounge and immediately bumps into Cheryl, who drops all of her boudoir photography. She's just in everyone's business and is not trying. It's getting foisted upon her. But this is exactly why I questioned why Tony and Cheryl were, like, developing their photos at school. <laughs> at school. And then bringing them around. <laughs> You just carrying them loose in a folder. You tell me you don't have an extra space to set up as a dark room in in your mansion. You don't have a sealed envelope you can put those in. There's no basement of, of Thornhill Chapel. And it's one of those things where when they crash into each other, like they go everywhere on the floor. Yes. And somehow no one else sees it but Betty. And so she helps her gather that up, and then they're outside having a little chat. Yeah, so she, she might not uh, be asking to get into everyone's business, but once she's in there, she has follow-up questions. Yeah. <laughs> and Cheryl's like, so Tony Topaz and I are going steady. And Betty's kind of like, yep, that makes sense. Knew that. Yeah, Evelyn said it in front of you two weeks ago. E- everyone fucking knows. <laughs> You guys, you guys have done like public performances of your smooching uh, at this point. But Betty reveals a secret of her own. She is girl next door from uh, the Teenage Mystique. And Cheryl's like, oh my God, I love you. And I'm like, how does no one not know this? I did have to say I was a little curious when I found out that the mailing address to ask a question to girl next door was your house, Betty. A little suspicious. Also, like, the stories about your mother. (laughs) They're really familiar. You probably shouldn't mention that uh, your mom is the the lady that works at WRIV. There's only one lady that works at WRIV. Or, Or when you, like, shared your advice on stripping for someone in a window... Uh, step one, don't get interrupted. It's bad. We we kind of knew. <laughs> we kind of... I mean, it was you or Archie, and we know Archie can't write. That's true. That's true. His poems are made of pictures. <laughs> it's just a rebus. <laughs> the only rhyming rebus. Well, okay, so Cheryl, like, fills her in on how they're going to submit the photos to Feminine. Mm-hmm. So that can be, like, Cheryl's coming out and, like, take that, parents. And Betty says, hey, hey, why don't you do me a solid and put your sexy pics in my book, my self-published advice column book? There is nothing wrong with publishing photos of underage kids (laughs) in a book written by an underage teenager. Is what Cheryl thinks because she says yes immediately. (laughs) And then she's like, hey. Can you guys take some sexy pictures of me, too? And Cheryl says, well, only if I get to pick your favorite one and do a painting of it. She's just desperate for models. She's trying to raise her paintings to the next level and no one will pose for her. This is all she has. She's like, hey, you pick out your favorite. I'll paint it. We can make it the cover of your book. (laughs) And they're like, besties. It's a very specific hobby she has. Uh, So at night. Yes. 
outside the movie theater. Where a star is born is playing, uh, presumably the 1954 version with Judy Garland. Yes. So I guess Veronica's, like, major studio distribution got all straightened out. I guess. Uh, and so a car pulls up, and out comes uh, Josie McCoy. Josie McCoy! Haven't seen you forever! Car is not driven by Sweet Pea. It's My the dreams are crushed. It's the car, though. It's so pretty. There's no Sweet Pea in this episode. I, it that. could be prettier, sure. Uh, so upstairs in the movie theater, uh, Veronica and Jughead are uh, together, and he's showing off his sketch mm-hmm. of uh, the teen witch. Does Ethel not draw pinups? I mean, maybe he didn't feel it was appropriate to go to her and be like, hey, can you draw a picture of my new kind of girlfriend again? And, um, and make her real boobalicious while you're and, at and it. And sexy. <laughs> yeah, okay, he does have some sense then, is what you're saying. Yes. He's learned. He's grown. There's been development. Uh, and Veronica's like, oh my gosh, this is the bee's knees. Like, I didn't know you could draw. Uh, and his whole thing is like, you know, Pep Comics mm-hmm. needs a new thing to save them. And I think this could be it. Yeah, yeah. Who wouldn't love a sexy teenage witch? Uh, named Veronica. Veronica the teenage witch. We might be able to draw, but we have no creativity. <laughs> when it comes to names well yeah i mean there there was that uh anthology of course famous for these two as a couple yeah and all the characters were just his friends at school yep yep uh so clay runs in with excitement letting Mm -hmm. them know that josie's there and veronica comes out to greet her uh and was just praising her Mm-hmm. Um, they they do not know each other. They know of each other. <laughs> of course, but what they we read learn, the trades. What we learn is that Josie is not like, has no tie to Riverdale. No, no. one here actually knows her. Later, she talks about when I was in high school to these characters. So yeah. the actual age gap of the actors is now reflected in the characters as well. Yes. Josie is there because she's heard that Veronica's theater is uh, one that's not afraid to, you know, like, spice things up, to go Mm -hmm. against the grain. They invented Rocky Horror. And Veronica's like, oh, like, I heard that your your Broadway smash hit going uptown is being made into a movie that's so exciting. Mm -hmm, Like, mm -hmm. we hope we'll be able to show it here eventually. I love that they don't get to have this conversation until she sends the bellboys out of the room. Oh, yes. (laughs) They they just scurry away, Kevin and... (laughs) Give Clay. Go, go. Go, go. So we find out that Josie uh, wrote starred, yep. produced, and directed, and everything. She fucking did everything for this movie. Uh, she wants to see how it plays out in front of an audience. Right. Because she's still doing some editing on it. And the first audience is just Veronica. <laughs> it is a test screening of one. Well, and Kevin and Clay, who are up at the lake. They don't count. <laughs> Um, so after the test screening, uh, Veronica's like, oh my god, that was amazing. That was the best thing ever. That was mm-hmm, pure mm-hmm. art. I love it. I worship you. This scene ends with, uh, her going home with Veronica, by the <laughs> way. Uh, but on the way there, yeah, yeah, uh, they, they talk about the problem with, uh, studio heads is that, quote, they're fear-driven creatures. Yes. Yeah, so that's, you know, why... She she wants test audiences because, you know, mu- 
movie executives are the way they are. Got to hone it to absolute perfection. She's a perfectionist, after all. But she also needs to make sure that the town is hep enough. Oh, we're hep, says Veronica. What the fuck does hep mean? (laughs) We tested positive for all the letters of the alphabet. And so Veronica's like, well, here, we'll give you a tour of the town tomorrow so that you'll know we're hep. We'll we'll get started at 8 a.m., uh, which first off, I'm like, hey, 8 a.m., maybe not the heppest time. But <laughs> Josie's like, um, no, I'm I'm going to be waking up to my coffee at 3. The earliest you will see me is at dusk and not a moment sooner. And I'm like, oh, my God, is she a vampire? Are we finally, are we cr- bringing back the, the, the fantasy sci-fi like who knows what's going on aspects and do we have vampires is Josie a fucking vampire I'm very concerned about this incredibly hep milkman that you've placed in my mind (laughs) I want to know what his deal is the only time we see Josie is when it's dark out I'm just saying she arrives when it's dark you Mm -hmm. only see her when it's dark Mm -hmm. like she's a creature of the night vampire so that's That's why we don't see sweet pea she ate him so that's when Veronica invites her back to her place, because it's better than all the hotels in town anyhow. <laughs> yes. And we'll go find the hep things tomorrow, later in the day and not at 8 a.m. What the fuck were you going to show her? Miss McCoy, one thing you'll have to learn about Riverdale is we all wake up before the dairy farmers, because uh, we have so many side I hustles mean, and small yeah, businesses. They wake up at like 5 a.m. to do so much shit before they go to school. But like, what were the... Were they just going to be like, hey, this is our high school. Isn't it cool? <laughs> it's so hep. We have a really racist principal. This and is the psychiatrist the... is like wants to lock up everyone. This is the ginchiest biology lab you'll ever find. Um, so speaking of uh, ginchiest things, mm-hmm. uh, Archie shows up at Twyla Twist's place with a bouquet of flowers saying, hi, Miss Twist. Now... I, I will say, here for the record, yeah. I've never engaged the services of a full-service sex worker, but flowers, as far as I am aware, generally aren't part of it. Typically, they want money. I, th- I think it's more like money and, and just like being chill. You yeah, know? yeah. They don't want to be paid in flowers. <laughs> that They can't pay their rent with that. Olive Pendergast was getting paid in Home Depot gift cards, but crucially, she was not having sex with people. But she also did not want the gift cards. She would have preferred money. That's true. Gift cards, however, were more welcome than coupons. (laughs) Fucking love that movie. The bucket list, the bucket list. (laughs) So good. Um, So Twyla's like, what the fuck's going on? He's like, well, I was hoping we could, like, see each other again. And she's like, no. Did no. Reggie handle all the payment? Because I don't think Archie is aware there was payment. Was this a pro bono boning? It might have been. She might have just felt really <laughs> bad for them. I don't know. But uh, also it could have been Reggie Payne. But yeah, Archie doesn't. He's a simple boy. Yeah, she, Twyla lets him down easy and is like, hey, I'm sure there are some desperate older ladies who would love a piece of this if you want to, like, grind XP by grinding on them. She, Wait, FP? XP? Experience oh, points. Oh, I experience thought you said grind points. FP. I was to like, level up. That's a different thing. 
Um, uh, so yeah, she basically prescribes 500 milligrams of cougar. Yeah. Specifically, gotta be some other hot mamas who would love to take a bite out of a red delicious. Ouch. Ouch. So uh, Tony and Cheryl go to the Cooper household to do Betty's uh, sexy photo shoot. Because that's a normal idea. Is this the outfit she borrowed from Veronica way back when? It might be. I think it's the I, same wardrobe. I think it is. I am questioning them doing this at home. <laughs> Where else are they going? At school? I mean, I could see more so Betty coming over to, like, Cheryl's. Because there's, like, 12 houses. Or, like... They shoot everything at WRIV live in studio. It's fun. As long as, like, you have the TV on on mute, you know where mom's at. Is Ethel out, at least? Like... Ethel's cool. Okay, I'm just thinking, though. Like, she might feel left out that she wasn't offered a fancy photo shoot. (laughs) No one was offered. Betty asked. You gotta take initiative. Well, I guess not meanwhile. I guess, like, the next day, Tony's like, hey... Veronica, me and Fangs here heard that Tony's in, or Josie's in town, and um, you should bring her to the dark room because Fangs is going to play. Well, of course she's going to the dark room. Where else is there? Pops? You mean upstairs <laughs> of the dark room? <laughs> it's the same place. So yeah, so they they want Josie to see Fangs play because it might yes. be a big break that will then like get Midge out. She's of... got all these connections. She's a Tony uh, Award winning performer. She's a, a sellout music star. Yeah, yeah. I mean, her records sell out. She's not a sellout. She has integrity. It's important. Yes. Uh, so Archie goes to see Miss Grundy, and he has brought her something a nice red delicious apple, and she's like. That's my favorite. Thank you, Archie. And he invites her to come to the dark room that night to hear his new poem. So, of course, I went to AppleRankings.com, the number one website on the entire internet, for their Red Delicious Apple review, uh, titled Coffee Grinds in a Leather Glove. It is rated 25 points out of 100, which is in the category Despicable. Red Delicious Apples are the farthest thing from delicious. They are atrocious apples. They have the worst skin on them. They have no flavor. I do not want to eat one. I hate that they are the, like, iconic symbol of apples. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Believe it or not, the coffee grinds in a leather glove, known as the Red Delicious Apple, was once a robust firebrand credited with reinventing the apple from mere cider fruit into a full-fledged, lunch-worthy side piece. It even won the Stark Brothers Apple Contest in 1894. Likely your great-grandma's favorite apple, this once-flavorful Prometheus has been mass-produced into desolation. Nowadays, you can find this thick-skinned, flavorless, mealy imposter unwashed in a dirty wicker basket on the floor of a convenience store. What a sad state of affairs. It's time to hang them up, old man. Your time has passed. Bonus points plus two historical significance. It's a shit of an apple. (laughs) Miss Grundy is such a fucking liar. No one's favorite apples. However, the the expert opinion from AppleRankings.com does point out a Red Delicious was a different thing in 1955. Better have been. (laughs) Is it like bananas and how they say like bananas, what bananas used to taste like is nothing like what a banana is now? Like we would not recognize the taste of what bananas used to be. I do love the sort of sidebar uh, uh, links at the bottom. Apples to eat instead, the Cosmic Crisp, the Ruby Frost, 
uh, even the Royal Gala apple. But also, Red Delicious is better than the Golden Russet apple, the Newton Pippin apple, and the Arkansas Black. Okay, I have never heard of these apples, so fine. The Golden Russet Apple Review, a putrid corpse, 22 points, also despicable. (laughs) This putrid, decomposing death fruit is a stinking corpse of an apple. (laughs) For this repugnant witch's curse emits a rancid odor that will make you question whether or not you are eating old fish. (laughs) Awful. Everything is like red and awful in this little chart. Yes, yes. It doesn't even look good. I think the best apple mm-hmm. is a Honeycrisp. Honeycrisp Apple Review, the worldwide favorite, 95 points, nearly perfect. Number four ranked ba- baking apple. It's a delicious apple. It's it sweet. Is. It is. It's tart. Java? Java? Maybe it's not Java. What is Jazz. Jazz apples. Those are good. I like those. Jazz Apple Review, a disharmony of flavor notes. 65 points, mediocre. It's not a Honeycrisp. But it's a good alternative when the Honeycrisp aren't on sale, because they tend to be cheaper. Like jazz itself, biting into this apple will spawn moments of joy and moments of boredom, leaving bewildered chewers asking the question, did I really just pay for that? Not a terrible apple, but it's the flavor notes I'm not tasting that bar it from a recommendation. I think that's a little harsh. I think that's a little harsh. (laughs) You know what apple I also don't like? Hmm. Yellow Delicious. Mm. I think if delicious is the name, it's a bad apple. Golden Delicious Apple Review, the West Virginia has been 33 points horse food. (laughs) It is the official state fruit of West Virginia. That's unfortunate. 100 years later, with our collective distaste for the Red Delicious fully realized, this ill-fated adopted brother may as well be called the Golden Bin Laden. (laughs) Jesus! Fortunately, for consumers who have rightfully shied away from this fading memory of an apple, the mushy, bland, juiceless Golden Delicious doesn't bring much to the table, aside from fathering better apples and having a nice-looking exterior fit for a 2013 U.S. postage stamp. (laughs) Damn! What is the worst-rate apple on this site, is what I want to know. The lowest-rated apple at Uh AppleRankings.com is, of course, the Newton Pippin apple, Long Island sand-filled condom, rated 19 points, which puts it in the category vomitous filth. (laughs) If you'd like to learn more about AppleRankings.com, there's a fantastic episode of the F Plus podcast about it. (laughs) If you'd like to try Sweet Tango apples, the Holy Grail, 97 points, nearly perfect, is the only thing rated above. A honey your your dear honey crisp. A honey crisp. Yes. You like honey crisp. I do. They're delicious apples. Many of these apples, though, I've never heard of. You haven't learned of Luda Crisp, the Dirty South Rapple? I want to fucking eat, try that apple. I want I want to see that in a store. Excuse me. I was thinking of Cosmic Crisp apples. Seventy four points, pretty good. The most overhyped apple of all time. Ah. Yeah. He's pretty down on the like boutique branded descendants of the honey crisp mm. your your cosmic crisp for example your candy crisp not yeah. nearly as good yeah so so yeah either oh right riverdale um, uh. so either miss grundy has absolutely no fucking taste at all no not or zero. she is a liar yeah. <laughs> or or they just bred them better back then fine <laughs> Jughead is 
over at Pep Comics um, promoting uh, Veronica the Teenage Witch to... P- pitching it to Dr. Fieldstone. Yes. Mr. Fieldstone. Uh, yeah. He has an honorary doctorate from Scam You. It's like, you know, she's bewitching. She's sexy. She casts spells. But mostly she just goes to high school. And he's like, kid, this is great. I love it. Uh, she can't be a witch. She can't do all that stuff. She's way too sexy. <laughs> I love everything you said, can't do it. And this, this I think is an insightful and important point about yeah. this uh, uh, comics code uh, yeah. plot, that it's essentially self-censorship. It is the cooling effect. Yeah. People uh, uh, binding themselves before they even submit to the code board. Yeah. And he's like, you know, we can't say the word witch to the people who have the pitchforks. Like, yeah, it's yeah. just not gonna go well. So he's like, you know, maybe make her half a witch, change her clothes, <laughs> uh-huh. make her blonde, change the name. It needs to be sweeter, less sexy. Mm-hmm. And then we'll see. Go down like a cup and a half. Yeah. Veronica the Teenage Witch is buxom. Uh- <laughs> Gertrude the Teenage Witch. <laughs> Mary Sue mm-hmm, the Teenage mm-hmm. Witch. Oh, you want Jughead to, to make it a self-insert? Yes. <laughs> uh, so Betty's in the dark room with Cheryl as her sexy photos are getting developed. Yes. And Cheryl's like, you know, pick one. I'll paint it. This book is meant to be about all of the aspects of being a teenage girl in small town America 1955. Yeah. The illustrations seem to be exclusively about one aspect. Yes. <laughs> um, so they have a little heart to heart. Where Betty's like, you know, I kind of feel like a fraud. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. I'm up here in my horny clothes and I never done the deed. Yep. And uh, she's like, you know, I can't, I can't find anyone to go all the way with me. And Cheryl's <laughs> like. is right there. He's sweating. He doesn't know why. He's literally looking through the window like, <laughs> I am here, Betty. I am here. Well, if he's looking through the window right now, all these pictures are ruined. Dylan, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Uh, so Cheryl's like, you know, a woman doesn't need anyone. (laughs) And Betty's like, oh yeah, I read about that in the book, but it's not really like a how-to guide. That's not how you talked about it before, Betty. (laughs) I thought it was a how-to guide. It it seemed kind of like a how-to guide in those two episodes in particular. So Cheryl gives her a copy of Feminine Magazine that apparently is a how-to guy. Yes, yes. The only person you need to know how to please is yourself. Mm-hmm. Big, big special two-page spread for you to spread. So uh, Jughead fills Veronica in on what was said about the comic. Uh, uh, before they cut away to the next scene, I yeah. made a note to myself. I'm really looking forward to this scene that will not actually be in the show. <laughs> A boy can dream. <laughs> Veronica's like, oh, that's all stupid, but fine. <laughs> like, we need to figure out a new name. Mm-hmm. And she's like, hey, did you see that Audrey Hepburn movie last year? And he's like, yeah, what was it called again? Sabrina. This it's is the name of the character. This is accurate to the creation of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, except for the very important fact that Jughead Jones is a fictional person and is not real. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 But like, yeah, that's where they got the name. A lot of this is real Sabrina trivia. 
I think they missed a good joke there of Jughead being like, mm, Audrey the Teenage Witch just doesn't, <laughs> just doesn't sound right. Mm-hmm. Kiernan Shipka the Teenage Witch. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he's like, oh my god, yes, Sabrina, that's a great name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it is time for open mic night. Open mic night! At, uh, the... At the dark room. Dark room, that's right, where we don't do dark room work. Why isn't the dark room in the back of the dark room? <laughs> it would be too recursive. It'd blow people's minds. So Archie's up there doing his Fucking new poem. Yes, yes. I did write this down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you didn't have to. He, he gets it's up. It's great, because I wrote, it's a poem about Apple education and teachers. He uh, stands up in front of his friends and international celebrity Josie McCoy and English teacher Mitch Grundy clears his throat and says, "'Twas the night before Christmas and I want to fuck. My teacher <laughs> is pretty, so I am in luck." <laughs> I might have paraphrased a bit. I think you paraphrased that a lot. <laughs> but basically, yes. everyone is incredibly uncomfortable <laughs> yes. as he continues to recite this poem about apples and teachers and sexy time mm-hmm. while staring at Ms. Grundy. The most juvenile rhymes. I Archie's poems are fine, but the rhymes hurt me every time. And then he pulls out a red delicious apple. He, and takes a bite that I think will kill him. He bites half this apple off in one shot. He he goes at it like a xenomorph. It's fucked up. And Miss Grundy leaves and everyone's <laughs> just like, Ugh, that was uncomfortable. Can we leave too? <laughs> Josie is not exactly pleased what she sees of this hep-hep town. So that I'm I'm not sure this is gonna work, but Veronica's like, wait, 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 wait. Fangs, Fangs is going up. It'll be fine. And Fangs comes out a rockin' mm-hmm. with his great balls of fire. He does the full Jerry Lee Lewis. Like he's playing with his feet. He's doing everything. Doing th- some thrusty moves. Uh, but this is not just a musical performance. Nope. This is a montage. We, we are cutting between two separate events in other places. We are cutting between Cheryl. Painting the mm-hmm. sexy picture of Betty. And, and Betty, Betty in her bubble bath. Having some sexy time with herself. There's like a languid close-up of her dripping hand draped over the edge of the tub. This is what I'm talking about. They could have filmed people watching the stag film like that. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, so it's a lot of, you know, close-ups of bubbles yeah and she isn't really like splashing and thrashing you no. know it seems more like she had a glass of chardonnay and she's listening to to mood tunes uh so they, <laughs> but, they, they cut back and forth between everything yeah it's cheryl's brush strokes that are standing in for some other strokes uh-huh which i think is clever and i i like that i do um, and Fangs is <laughs> Especially just Especially when we're only, like, eight minutes from, like, yeah, here's how you tell your story around a censor board. Like, eh, eh, eh I get it. Eh. There you go. Uh, so after all of this, uh, Josie's like, wow, well, rock and roll isn't really my genre, but he has something. Maybe a touch of, a touch of star quality. Mm-hmm. Tell me, how is he on the bongos? And Veronica's like, 
no better bongo player in Riverdale. You know why? Because there's not another fucking bongo player in Riverdale. I'd like to hear what Mitch says about how he plays the bongos. Maybe you should make sure Midge gives her permission for him to play some bongos. (laughs) Veronica's not about asking who you're dating about who can play whose bongos. Uh, So Josie wants Fangs to play the bongos so she can do a seductive chair dance with spoken word about cats. It's the title song of the episode, A Different Kind of Cat, made famous by Eartha Kitt. And how she's not any type of cat she's a different kind of cat yeah uh it's it's smooth is it's the, cool is the eartha kit version better i haven't heard it <laughs> i really did not like this at all this entire episode <laughs> josie mccoy is doing eartha kit it is drenched yeah. in eartha kit references yeah. Her voice. Oh, yeah. Her, like, cool yeah. purr. She's doing Eartha Kitt. I get all the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. I just did not like this. <laughs> I, I like her choreography, her, her isolations. It's, I enjoyed the number a lot. I feel like it's something that only, like, three people in the audience of this show would get. <laughs> And everyone else would have been happy to be among them. Everyone else is like, yeah. Oh, we like this. Yeah, that was great. (laughs) Like the people of Riverdale. Uh Uh-huh. This ain't their scene. Which is part of the story being told. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so after the performance, everyone back at the table is loving it. Uh, the crowd's reaction to, to her blowing their mind with... Smooth jazz, but the sexy kind. Uh, uh, Convinces her that, yes, this is where I shall have a premiere. And Clay's like, hey, do you want to come to my school club? Well, this is where she'll have a test screening. Yes. She hasn't given to a premiere, a test screening still. That's right. But yeah, so Clay is like, and Tony are like, hey, you want to also consider coming to uh, Black Athena at Riverdale High? And she's like, what the fuck is a Black Athena? <laughs> and they explain and she says, yes, I would love that, actually. That sounds great. <laughs> I was thinking this would be a very lightly attended club since one third of the Black students of Riverdale uh, is currently touring around the country with... Uh... Yeah, um, they they got a lot of extras yeah, for there was a, this, this we're... book club that will happen shortly. There was a recruiting drive. Maybe a school closed nearby. I don't know. But uh, but before we get to that, we yeah. have to go check in on uh, Miss Grundy, who mm-hmm. goes into her classroom and finds Archie and is like, ooh, maybe I should just walk out. She is so professional. Yes. <laughs> she is doing so much. She's like, Archie, we didn't have a chance to talk about my poem. And she's like, yeah, because I had to go home to my husband. He was expecting me. We ate dinner together. It was nice. Me and my husband, who I love. Oh. <laughs> and she's like, Archie, let's let's branch out of love poems. Let's write let's... about psychological pain and not, for instance, my yabos. Let's just leave that let's in the past. leave them behind. Pain. Focus on pain. Pain only. And not romantic pain. Not like teenage heartbreak. Like the worst pain you felt in your life. Which is a pretty fucked up thing. That's a weird assignment to give someone. Think about, uh... And like, you know what it's gonna be. It's Archie. 
Yes. You take teenage heartbreak off the menu, he's got one thing. Well, you knew what, Miss Grundy knew what she was doing. She's like, <laughs> think about your dead father and not my boobs. The, the anti-aphrodisiac. Think about Fred moldering in uh, Arlington or whatever. Yeah. Um, so Cheryl takes Betty to see the finished painting, which she did at school in the fucking art room. <laughs> it's just sitting there with a sheet over it. Somehow still more secret than leaving it in a, a Thornhill Chapel after but the the painting murder. Can Cheryl just, like, find the under-the-stair closet <laughs> that Jughead lived in and make her that painting nook? She smokes herself out. She hotboxes the, the paint fumes. Yes! Okay, like, I need, I need there to be some concern about anyone finding these sexy images, no matter what medium they're in. There is no concern. If Dilton finds this uh, painting, he will also demonstrate uh, methods of self-love. And you're never going to get that off oil work. <laughs> it's going to stain. That's why they don't let you get too close to the Mona Lisa. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh. Girl with pearl necklace. I Come on. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> so, yeah, Betty loves it. She's like, it's so beautiful. And Cheryl's like, no, you're beautiful. Besties now. They're, They're best. the besties now. They're besties now. She she rests her, her chin on uh, Betty's shoulder. Yeah. Betty might have just got dumped by her girlfriend. She's vulnerable. <laughs> it's okay. She found her hand. <laughs> so Jughead pitches Sabrina mm-hmm. uh, to Fieldstone. Took all those notes. Sabrina is now not in uh, a tall pointed hat and, and black... Sexy cloak. Very traditional red dress, blonde haired Sabrina. No, it's a white sweater, red pants. It oh. is the costume she's in in the very first panel. Yes. As recreated in the opening credits for The Chilling Adventures of yeah. Sabrina. Yeah. yeah, but that, you yeah. know, very, very traditional. Uh, and he's like, this is great. We're going to send this off to the tribunal. Mm-hmm. This will save us. This is, again, a really weird story. Like, is is the suggestion... That EC Comics would have survived if only they made totally different stuff than the things they wanted and had experience with making. Yeah. What is what does that mean? What does that say? No, no. <sighs> so over at the Black Athena meeting, mm-hmm. yes, we get every black extra they could find. Yes, it, they all across Vancouver. The the call went out. Are you black? Can you uh, reasonably appear to be in high school for TV reasons? I have never seen any of these people on this show before. (laughs) Well, they're very studious. They're very excited to see Josie. They are not there for book club. (laughs) Let's be honest. (laughs) And they are not talking about books. They're talking, they're, they're asking Josie about her experiences as a successful black person in uh, a in Hollywood in a not a particularly black industry yeah like her experience in compromise and and how she protects herself and stays true to herself and once again Josie is just doing Eartha Kit here I, yes. I wouldn't be surprised if some of these lines are taken uh, uh, directly or at least paraphrased from Eartha Kit Eartha Kit quotes. Uh, at one point, one of the students is like, you know, I saw you as Lady Macbeth 
uh, last year, and she's like, ah, yes, that's my theater in Harlem. Mm -hmm. Because she owns everything. Er Earlier, earlier, uh, Veronica mentioned she ran the the Black American Theater Project, which, as far as I know, is not a historical thing. There is the, the like, Negro Theater of of the Federal Theater Project, uh, one of the New Deal programs, which was famously run by Orson Welles. <laughs> yes. He might have lied on his uh, resume a little bit. Maybe. <laughs> Orson Welles, who in real life had only the most glowing things to say about Eartha Kitt and her talents. Yes. So it all comes together. But yeah, in, in this uh, history, it was run not by Orson Welles, but by jo Josie McCoy and under a slightly different name. This 23-year-old has had quite the life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 20 years ago, when she was three. <laughs> uh, and so they have a bit of a conversation about, you know, where did Black Athena come from? Mm -hmm. And Tony shares her point of view. Tony about... says she was, quote, tired of treading water in the Caucasian Sea of Opinions. Damn! Yeah. We don't, we don't shy. Which I appreciate. I do wish they would use less, um modern language for some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't really think, like, the term gatekeeping was used a lot back then. <laughs> not in public discourse. No, yeah, this is not... I mean this in the lightest sense, but this is post-Tumblr writing, right? Yeah. When a lot of academic, when a lot of jargon was brought into public discourse. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it just feels like... Tony's saying these really powerful things that are mm -hmm, very mm -hmm. true, very, like, in your face about what, you know, she is a black woman in the 1950s is facing. Mm -hmm. But then they throw in terms that would not have been used and it makes it, it makes it not serious anymore to me. Mm -hmm, like, it mm -hmm. feels weird. And it's like, oh, we're going for the, we're, we're cashing in our, our, you know, our points. Mm-hmm. For throwing around these I, terms. I do prefer the moments where they allow, uh, in the example I'm about to use, but anyone, but when they allow uh, Josie to just speak directly and through more timeless metaphor, which she talks about just bleeding on the work. Yes. And then Clay's like, that's what I try to do. At the, I try to bleed on the keyboard. Yes. It, it works so much better and it's so much more powerful when you're trying to do a time, like this you know, mm -hmm. time frame. Yeah. Then to suddenly hear gatekeeping. The Caucasian Sea of Opinions, yes. Gatekeeping, anachronistic. Yeah. Well, and that's a, like, yeah, again, she was saying like she had great lines and then suddenly I was like, well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, and that's something that bugs me, not just in this episode, but in other episodes mm -hmm. too, mm -hmm. where uh, I just feel like, oh, we're going for... We're using our thesaurus of <laughs> common day. Uh-huh, uh-huh. What, what are the trending words of the time? Mm-hmm. We're ginching all over the place. Yeah, so after the meeting, Josie goes to Veronica. She's jazzed. She's, she's hyped. This is the happiest she's ever felt in her life. We're going to do it. Full red carpet premiere. Mm -hmm. We're going to go full out. I'm trusting you, Veronica, because if this is not a hit, there's no second chances and I am ruined. And See, Veronica's like, what? Going uptown isn't just the the pet project of an auteur. 
It's also all of her money. She self-financed. She poured in all her cachet, every favor, all her reputation. Everything is riding on this being a huge smash. Yeah. So if there is a formal premiere that goes over anything less than superlatively, she's fucking dead. Yes. And the reason why she went this route is Mm -hmm. because, yes, it was going to be picked up and it was going to be made into a movie. But then she found out that it was being changed and her part was being reconceived for Lana Turner. Who is, for the record, a white person. Yes. Yes. And Veronica, like, all the pieces come together and she completely understands and is Mm -hmm. like, "We we are doing this right. We are going to get this. We're going to... We're going to make this work. Yeah. All this stuff about shopping around test screenings wasn't for notes to, to like, send to the edit suite where, like, all that jazz style, it's still Josie at the the machine. Uh, No, they're just collecting things to throw at the studio bosses. Like, see, please distribute. People love this movie. It's great. People love it. Look at these note cards. white, doesn't matter. They love this movie. Big town, small town. And so, yeah. Veronica's like, we're, there's going to be a bidding war for this movie afterwards. We're going to do this. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. nothing inspires Veronica more than people being treated poorly. Can I just say how much I love that Veronica's solution is, I'm going to call in some favors. We're going to do a big event. I'm going to put some of myself on the line for this too and not, well, why don't I just call up daddy and see what he can do? Yes. Right? Yes. Oh, Veronica's so much better when she doesn't have to deal with him. <laughs> Uh, so Fangs is on the phone with Midge, and Midge actually has a She's bump. She's got a bump. It has She's appeared. Bump. She's bumpy. Uh, and he, he filled her in on, on the performance with Josie, and Josie is going to hook him up with her friend in New York, Alexandra Cabot. Yes! <laughs> Which is, quote, to the max. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, we're going to get you out, baby. We're going to figure this out. And I'm like, you could just go get her out. <laughs> you could just go get her. Uh, so Jughead is meeting, uh, with Fieldstone. Mm-hmm. Fieldstone? Fieldstone. Fieldstone. Uh, and they rejected Sabrina. Because it's fake for Feldstein. Yes. Yes. They objected to everything, including that she's a witch. <laughs> Even a half witch is, uh, half too far. All they saw was Hocus Pocus and human sacrifice. <laughs> they ain't doing it. Jughead, what did you write for this? <laughs> what did you do? I love Hocus Pocus and human sacrifice. <laughs> um so Jughead goes to Veronica mm-hmm. and uh She's upset, she's a little disappointed, but she understands, she gets it. It's ahead of its time, it's groundbreaking. She says, quote, give it a few years. Like maybe say seven. I bet in nineteen sixty two Sabrina the teenage witch is gonna fly off newsstands. And she's like, you know, if you're not feeling up for the premiere, I, like, completely understand. And he's like, no, this is, like, going to be my only chance to go to, like, a movie premiere. He's the Hollywood guy. He's the movie guy. But then he's like, but. And she's like, is it because you don't have a suit? And he's like, I barely have any clothes without an S on them. (laughs) Yeah, it's because I don't have a suit. And what does she whip out? She produces a tailored suit made specific to his measurements. Where'd she get those measurements? What is she doing when he's asleep? She knows his measurements. She sized him up, Mm -hmm. let me tell you. Uh, And and she says nothing but the best for my flutter bum. No, don't say that. (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, Archie uh, goes to right and looks at a picture of Fred. 
in his uh, uniform uh, in Korea or before shipping out, whatever. He's in uniform. And, and he starts his poem with the title of Ode to a Father. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you know that's going to be sad. <laughs> Over at the movie premiere. Uh, they really are doing all the bells and whistles. Uh, Josie McCoy's handprints are the first to be immortalized in concrete at the Babylonium. We got lots of photographers. We... We got uh, more movie theater crew. We've hired Reggie and Archie temporarily. Yeah, they're in the bellhop outfits being ushers for the night because it's a full house, baby. Including some famous movie critics. They brought the Ratatouille man. (laughs) So the movie starts to play. Uh Uh-huh. But then... Immediately. (laughs) God damn it, Kevin. Immediately. The, the screen gets cut off, and Veronica and Josie rush up to the booth. There's a jam the film burned through. Or, yeah, it, like, ripped. They have, to, they have to wind it. And she's like, you two are the worst projectionists in history. You're fired. We are no longer friends. You are now paying for your own movie tickets. She is losing her shit on them. And Josie's like, it's okay. It's okay. Boys, how long is it going to take you to wind that up? And they're like, five minutes. And she's like, great. Veronica, how long will it take you to get a band? <laughs> Luckily, Fangs is in the audience tonight. And, so 60 seconds? And all she needs for a band is a guy at a piano. Oh, it's actually, the band has three people. People. So she found two other people to be in this band. I guess Fangs never goes anywhere without his entourage these days. But I'm like, it's gonna take five minutes to fix this solution. And our well, solution Everyone is immediately running to the door. The 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 Well, because no one fucking said anything, so they think the theater's fucking burning down. <laughs> Reggie is like the usher by the door and he just raises a hand like Come on, fellas, let's be patient here. I would love it if he cracked his knuckles instead. I'm like, Veronica can go down there and shoot some bullshit for five minutes. One of her many skills. Well, it's like, hey, guys, you know what? We actually stopped the film because we want to hand out free popcorn to everyone. It will be five minutes for that to be popped. Hold on a second. What but- she does instead is go down. A spotlight hits her as she introduces Josie McCoy performing the title song of Going Uptown. Yep. This song is semi-original. It is a lyrical rewrite of Moving Uptown, a song from the year 2000 Broadway hit uh, The Wild Party, starring Eartha Kitt mm-hmm. in her first stage performance after 20 years. Yeah. So so Josie does her, her big number. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And- Did you like this number? Yeah, it's great. This is nice. Mm -hmm. This is good. She did a great job. It was lovely. I just thought the weird sexy cat dancing (laughs) with bongos following you around was a little much. (laughs) I think it, maybe it would work with someone else, but it's especially weird when it's Josie and you know the pussycat thing and she's like, I'm not this type of cat. I'm not, I'm like, you're a cat. You're a pussycat. She's a different kind of cat. Just be a cat. <laughs> oh my god, all you wear is le- like leopard print. You're a cat. <laughs> uh, so we cut straight from the end of the song to after the screening, 
rave reviews. Uh, Veronica has an advance of the paper. It I seems guess. more like she stole his notebook, and now he's gonna <laughs> have to rewrite it on the train. But it's it's the best review anyone's ever read. This dude is amazed, uh, shocked, awed. He's like a star is born. Uh, atomic bomb has exploded. All major awards are going to Josie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She, uh, and she, she's, but Veronica's like, no, no, no. This man got one thing wrong. You were not born a star here tonight. You have always been a star, Josie. And I'm like, go fucking make out. <laughs> I know he just got back with Josie, or like with Jughead, but like, go kiss the girl. She's collecting a full house, and that house is the Pembroke. They, they're all gonna have their own room. <laughs> uh, and quite honestly, I think Josie's into it because she's yeah. like, you know, Veronica, we should do this again. You know, you should really be making movies. I've learned that here tonight. I was like, what does, like, hosting a movie, freaking out that it went wrong, and then doing an introduction mean you should make movies? She planned a very successful event, an event that requires knowing the names in the business and catering to, to their needs and massaging them, She, which then launched a film to presumed great success. Still doesn't necessarily not necessarily you should, like, make a movie, but it's also maybe you should distribute movies. Being a studio boss is Veronica's dream this season. We know that she said it out loud with her own True. words previously. True. Meanwhile, uh, Archie and Reggie come home mm-hmm. to find Frank oh, reading Frank. Archie's poem. He does not take it well. He believes the poem. Poetry is only good for dropping panties, and if you're doing anything else, you're some sort of bullshit man. Uh, and so he he feels that Archie is taking advantage mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. his father, exploiting memory. his memory and what he did for his country and our family. Archie, how dare you? And he rips up the poem and he tells him that he doesn't ever want him to write about his father this way again, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and storms out. And like he reads a couple lines, and it's just like. Very honest, simple, that's Archie for you, honest and simple, uh, uh, about just, like, fucking missing him because he died overseas in a war that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Except for the near extermination of the Korean Peninsula, but never mind. And and that's the end of the episode. That's the end of the episode. So, darling, what did you think of chapter 134, A Different Kind of Cat? (laughs) A different type of cat. Not that type of cat. Not that type of cat. What type of cat are you, Josie? Pussycat. Be a pussycat. <laughs> that so it's should, a catch-all they should term. have ended that song with her like revealing her her new uh, like persona. Mm-hmm. Josie, the pussycat. <laughs> I will no longer go as Josie McCoy. I'm Josie, the pussycat. Now that I have made it, I'm lifting up the people who supported me along the way. Uh, meet, meet your new international superstars, Melody and... Uh... Another one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the one that trained Archie for a while. Valerie. Val- it was a V. I was Valerie. right. It was a V. Valerie. This episode was really silly. <laughs> I... So glad Miss Grundy is not a creeper. <laughs> uh, I'm really sad that Archie is. Uh, so much. Uh, kind of wish there was a scene of Reggie talking to Archie about, like, dude. Archie, I just found out. It's possible to have sex with people our age. 
What? I, I think I think your poem crossed a line. Uh, I don't think you should do that again. Oh, I'm stop thinking. What 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 are your thoughts? I really enjoyed this episode. Whenever they bring Ashley Murray back to be phenomenally talented, just rub it in your face. Yes, yeah, she's uh, good. I love her. I love her being back. I do feel like they actually like used her yes. well in this episode. Yes. The, they, the they, way to get a good Josie episode is to not see her for a season, which sucks. But they, like, spotlighted her. Right, right. And this they, and Return of the Pussycats yeah. previously, yeah. And it is fun to see her as, like, a different mm-hmm. character. Mm. A different type of Josie. Yeah, yeah, a different type of Josie. I do think she's a vampire, though. <laughs> <laughs> if we were not in the past, mm-hmm. there would totally be, mm-hmm. like... Well, like yes, everyone would be like, "Yes, she is a vampire." It then would be she obvious she's Orleans. a vampire, and then we'd find out it's actually a misunderstanding, and the real she's explanation anemic. only explains half of it, but we forget the other clues. <laughs> How well, come only girls were having uh, seizures from the poison water? I guess it would. And only when Evelyn looked at them. Why was that? What was up with that? Uh, that's a good question. That's a good question. <laughs> uh. Well, if she was a vampire, it would be all connected to the fact that she, like, went down to, like, New Orleans with Sweet Pea or whatever. Uh-huh. And, and that's obviously where vampires are. Uh, and so they got I, bit. I know about Interview with a Vampire yeah. with Lestat and all them. Yeah. yeah. It would all fit mm-hmm. so well. Uh, what do you think about Jughead creating Sabrina? Their I... way of bringing her back, I guess, in the only way they can think of. Which didn't, didn't we say this? <laughs> we might have. We say I, I a lot feel, of things. I feel like I or one of us said this earlier in the season of like, oh, what if they like make a Sabrina comic and that's how they bring her in? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People, if you're listening, mm-hmm. uh, let us know if we said that. I don't. If you've binged se- uh, uh, our seventh season in like a uh, manner of a couple weeks rather than listening live. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to go back and listen to the episodes to find out yeah. if we said that. But you can tell me. Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I think this episode is great at delivering the things we have been praising Season 7 Veronica for. Mm -hmm. This is uh, not really pushing it farther than it was, but really showing why she's so good now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) I did love how she got so pissed off at uh, Kevin and (laughs) We're not friends. You're fired. We're not friends. You're fired. I hate you. It was such, like, a teenage way to lose your cool. Yes. Um, (laughs) But it is nice to just, like, have her doing something good and working on it and, like, Mm -hmm, moving mm -hmm. forward and... And she didn't, like, dump the Babylonium for a different business a month ago, you know? Yes. How much jewelry did you sell, Veronica? Not a lot. I also appreciated how much... How many characters were in this episode... Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. there were still people we didn't, like, there was no Ethel, there was no Dilton, we didn't get parents or anything. But they still, I feel like, worked in a lot of characters and yeah. storylines without it being some of those episodes where I feel like we are just, go, 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 and you never spend any time on anything. Right. And and more than that, uh, including the cast in ways that aren't the easy shortcuts, right? Uh-huh. Tony and Cheryl are both featured, but not as Tony and Cheryl. 
<laughs> which is the yeah. easy way to do it. You have them do a couple thing in the corner yeah. somewhere, but no, they're doing their own thing. They are still yeah. separate people. Well, and then it's also things like bringing Archie and Reggie in to yeah, work at the yeah. Babylonian for the special event. Right, right. Jughead actually attending as a guest. He looked pretty nice in his snazzy custom suit. I liked his bow tie. His bow tie is good. Yeah. But it, it's like that community. Yeah. And I do kind of wonder, I guess it could have been something to go back and look at, is like if any of the other characters were there in like the theater. A number of our... First time ever uh, uh, Black yes. Athena kids yes. were in the crowd. But yeah. I was thinking of like, okay, was was Dilton was, there? Right. Was, I don't know. You mm-hmm, know, just mm-hmm. like a little bit of that. But yeah, it was, it, was, it was a good episode. To repeat a different thing we keep saying about season seven, this is a good episode of a normal TV show. This is yes. the normal TV show that Riverdale has largely become. Yes. This is a great example of it and, and doing it well. Yeah. There's only three episodes left, though, and I'm very much like, how are we getting to the end of this? Are we ever going to address... Uh, do we ever go back to the future? Do we go back to the future? Do we fix racism? Uh, <laughs> like, I have questions. What if... What if they don't go back to the future and it's because specifically they don't fix racism? Because you can't fix racism! <laughs> Not in us like, this way... What if they don't go back to the future and the show ends with Jughead creating the river, like the Archie comic? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's just it. Right. They already have Super Duck. Like, they're, we're, yeah. we're racking them up. Yeah. That's just, this, this is it. And we know that Jughead only bases characters on his friends because he's creatively bankrupt. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, his whole thing this episode is That's like... That's why he can't write Super Duck anymore. He doesn't know any talking fucking ducks. He's like, oh my God, like, Pep Comics is on the way out. Like, I need to figure out how to save them. They're mm-hmm. like, they need to be saved. Sabrina's not wholesome enough for them. What do we need? We need <laughs> a comic seven years. about a wholesome town and uh-huh. a wholesome boy. Mm-hmm, and he's mm-hmm. just going to fucking create... Archie Comics. How do I get across that this guy I went to school with is dumb as rocks? I'll make him real fucking clumsy, actually. There needs to be more pratfalls. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Saves Pep Comics, and then uh-huh. that, that's just it. That's just... Show's over. <laughs> if they had made Riverdale true to the physical comedy, uh-huh. KG Appa would be dead by now. <laughs> He already, they decided that was not the route they were going to go once he punched and broke his hand yes. in ice, <laughs> in an icy river. They were like, and we're done. The show would be uninsurable. He is an 18 year old who's going to kill himself. We cannot do this. Uh, so darling, do you have any further predictions? Do you remember when Riverdale had the tone of Twilight? <laughs> like the color filter of yes, Twilight? Yes, I was going to say the that... It was definitely Twilight color grading in, yes. in the uh, the Season river punching. One? Yeah. Well, not even just that, but you think like pilot episode. I'm thinking mm-hmm. like Jughead on the riverbank. Yeah, yeah. With the fall, like they had a very much Twilight aesthetic With when all they the, started. The shirtless teens in jorts running around. Yeah. I like three of those movies a lot. <laughs> and one sucks. <laughs> two suck. Yeah, two suck. Yeah. <laughs> One sucks really bad. <laughs> well, I feel like we gave a few uh, a few predictions there on accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any other predictions 
Or did we kind of just do that? I think we kind of just okay. did that. Okay. Yeah. So do we want to talk about what's to come? Yes. Our next episode will, of course, be on Chapter 135 for A Better Tomorrow. This is named for the John Woo classic that launched the career of Chow Yun-Fat. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it is not a fighting episode. <laughs> well. It sure doesn't look like one. Not hand-to-hand fighting, fighting. Fighting for your life. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, what we we know is that uh, our, uh, Jughead is saying that an atomic bomb is dropping in Riverdale. Everyone runs to duck and cover. There's a, the, You see the flash. I expect to see some Twilight Zone references. Uh, Fang says, hey, we can't let the bomb get us down. While, while wearing, wearing super, super duck shirt. <laughs> Uh, and, and it's all in, like, black and white. Yes. The whole trailer is in black and Most white. Most notably, this appears to be a it's, black and white it's episode. It's very uh, campy. Yes. My Weird guess. Weird swing to go for the third to last episode. <laughs> my guess. There is, like, an atomic bomb scare, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. communist, blah, blah, blah. It, like, but they're, like, filming a, like, safety video. Oh, Of, yeah, like, yeah, what yeah. to do if there's a bomb. Yeah, bomb drills are one of the famous bits of 50s repression that they yeah. haven't really talked about. Yes, and I feel like we're going to get it through some type of, like, we're making an educational film to be shown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's why it's, like, everything is so, like, campy and movie-like. Right, right. Yeah. Irradiation and you. Yeah. Yeah. That's my guess. That'd be fun. So that's what we know. There wasn't a lot in it. Uh, But we have something else we need to talk about before we we move on to anything. We do. We also watched The Archies. Yes. The recently uh, uh, released film uh, produced by Netflix India Mm -hmm. that sets the Archie gang in a a small town in northern India uh, that from the title and from the like logline description you would expect to be about the creation of their band, The Archies. It's not. No. There's very little of that, in fact. It's it's about uh, Hiram Lodge trying to buy a public beloved public land and, and the town banding together to stop him. That's a classic. That's that's some old school shit right there. Yeah. Very little band. Though we do sing. There's a though though not when you always think there's going to be singing. <laughs> but we sing. So this is only like half the amount I thought that we were going to. This movie is more like watching five or six episodes of, like, a teen sitcom in a row. Yes. Yeah. That's that's the way it's structured. It's, that's the way it feels. It's a really long fucking it's movie. It's the way it kind of drags, quite honestly. Nothing really happens. <laughs> like, there, there's the one storyline of, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, our par- beloved park's gonna get bought and we need to save it. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, not a lot happens. There is a lot of interesting stuff going on with being post-colonial. It is set in yes. mid, mid-60s India. Yes, and that actually is the most, I think, interesting so, thing about it. Independence, partition, these are in living memory for the adults. In, yes. Uh, uh, in a big way. And in fact, it's tied to Riverdale. Riverdale in this story is as our paper cutout animated opening <laughs> narration yes. tells us. Founded by, like, a member of the Raj, a white British man who married an Indian woman and had Anglo-Indian kids. He made it an uh, enclave for Anglo-Indians. 
Uh, and that's that's what Riverdale is and why all of these people have names like Betty Cooper. <laughs> yes. So yeah, that like the historical aspect of it that influences it mm-hmm. is very interesting. Other things with nationality are important. It is important to the film that Hermione Lodge is an American Indian or yes. a, an American of Indian descent, rather. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's a bizarre film, though. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I think again, when we were talking about like like there is random singing. Mm-hmm. And, but there's and this, like you were saying, there are a lot of times when the score suddenly wells up that makes you think they're oh, about to start singing, then and they that do, do we not. don't sing. Then they do not. We don't sing. And times when I think there should there's be singing, a lot of false starts like that, where I was like, "Oh my gosh, this would be a great moment for a song." We don't sing. Mm-hmm. And then other times we just sing. I've only seen a handful of like Indian films, yes. so I don't have a lot to go off of. So right. it is like an interesting, like, well, how I guess normal is that? I would guess, and I'm so happy to be corrected, I would love it if someone more familiar with Indian cinema, the various Indian cinemas, for that matter, shared their perspective on this film. But I would guess that this is a watered-down version of that. Everything's a little calmer, a little chiller, a little more easy-watching for international audiences. Mm -hmm. But from the Indian idiom, obviously. Which I think that was the... Tension going into making it was mm-hmm. like the plan for distribution kind of from the start of it, from what it sounds like. Yeah. If that wouldn't have been the case, they would have put more songs there. As, as much as the budget would allow. I, yeah. I think it would be more unique, more distinct. Yeah. The, the sitcominess that I said earlier, I just really can't get by it. Uh, I, I just really can't get past that. That is the, the big thing that sticks out in my mind. Uh, like every cast member and they have every cast member has a thing uh, has okay maybe not Moose <laughs> Moose does not have a thing and maybe not Cheryl but like or Cheryl no. uh, Dilton does Dilton is plot critical and closeted <laughs> oh my god okay talking about characters Reggie in this yes I love Reggie they made Reggie into not Reggie. No, yeah. I guess it, closest Reggie they have is our current Reggie. It's like season seven. Season seven. Farm boy Reggie. Farm boy Reggie. Basketball superstar. Closest, Reggie is caring. Uh-huh. Reggie is kind. Reggie Reggie is, wants to be a comedian when he grows up. Reggie wants to be a comedian. He's so supportive of Dilton, who he knows Dilton has a crush on him, and he's like, hey, dude, it's I don't feel that way, but it's okay that you're gay and that you feel that way. Mm-hmm. I support you. You're my friend. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely. Totally not what I was expecting. This film is allergic to having villains, though. It, yes. Anyone whose name you recognize, at least, is, at their core, good. They they get put in uh, tight spots. They might make bad decisions, but everyone is redeemed. Uh, Hiram Lodge is trying to bulldoze the public park where everyone in town plants a tree at the age of five. So this uh, uh, park is the soul of their community. And he's trying to tear it out, knowing full well about that because he's from here. He's fine at the end. He's the hero at the end. Yeah. (laughs) 
that's how averse to the, villains and bad people and real the, conflict this movie is. The no name, well, he has a name, but like we wouldn't know him. Mm-hmm. Guy is the bad guy. Yes. Because the, he hides some things. The public official who's trying to make this deal happen because he loves bribe money so much. Hiram, who's paying all the bribe money, not that bad a guy in the eyes of the film. Yeah. Another thing, which I was trying to, like, find it, and I couldn't find anything on it, but Mm -hmm. you and I were talking about it, is um, this movie's dubbed. Yes. Um, And what I wanted, like, confirmation on, but again, I couldn't find any, like, articles that stated anything about it, is that sometimes the sync matches up, and most of the time it doesn't. So... What you start to realize is, we were talking about this, is that... My guess is... They're not all speaking the same language. This this (laughs) is shot Sergio Leone style, right? This is shot with everyone speaking the language in which they are most comfortable, which for some actors is English. Yeah. So their English dub matches their their lip flaps while, while others do not. Yes. And there's not like... A consistency? But there are also linguistic jokes that get lost because uh, Fred Andrews is practicing his Hindi and has bad grammar. And you don't realize that that's what's happening until they explicitly spell out that joke in the last ten minutes. Because you never hear him speaking it. (laughs) Right. He speaks English the entire time. So you don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's... A joke about language is one of the hardest kinds of jokes to put in a translation. Yeah. I get it. I, but it's... They're doing things with language that they then lose for international broadcasts. Yeah. That's, I mean, you, you play the game, that's how it shakes out sometimes. Yeah. I'm just very interested in knowing, like, okay, what did it sound like for, like, Indian audi- audiences? What, what were they actually filming? Because <laughs> uh, I think it was, like, a good, like, hour into the movie, I was like, do you feel like... Something weird's going on with everyone's <laughs> mouths. <laughs> like, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, and uh, I don't feel like it should ever work. I liked Ethel. Ethel was great. Ethel's personal Eth- plot Ethel is is being caught in the gears of capitalism. Yes. Uh, she is, uh, leaves her uh, one stylist job to take another stylist job for more money. Yeah. And uh, for a while lives the mantra of... There's nothing wrong with, with, you know, wanting to succeed in life. Yeah. I mean, I think the stars of this movie are Ethel and Reggie. Mm-hmm. Because, quite frankly, Betty, Veronica, and Archie are fucking boring. <laughs> yeah, everyone is pretty flattened. Everyone is, like... If you read Archie comics, even from 1964, when this mm-hmm. is set... Uh, you'll see people getting frustrated with each other and, and actually upset about stupid teenage shit, and it's all fine uh, eight pages later, sure, but they will. Not so much here. They they pine. That's about as much as it goes. Yeah. They pine. Or, like, Veronica and Betty will have a disagreement, but, like, within two seconds it's resolved. And they're back, like, I'm so sorry! Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's very over the... It's very interesting. Choreography good. Choreography. Choreography fun. is really fun. There's some costuming really, is really fun. Honestly, like the cinematography is really good. There's some really fun, especially. I bet if you did watch this in 25 minute chunks, if you treated it as like a six episode uh, sitcom, you'd have a, a better time of it than watching it as a movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's 
Yeah, because I mean, I would say it's like it's beautiful. Like I just mm-hmm. think of some of the shots of them like riding. They ride a lot of bikes. They ride a riding lot of bikes. like the bikes <laughs> through the park. Like it's beautiful. Um, there's a really fun like like the costuming's really cool. Like mm-hmm. visually, mm-hmm. it's great. It's just kind of boring. <laughs> it's just so weird talking about Riverdale for years now. To see Betty Cooper's father, Hal Cooper, and everyone loves him and he's a swell, nice guy. He just wants to lead story time for the children at the bookstore. He's living in You've Got Mail. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. (laughs) And again, like, we could name any character you could think of and give a whole plot that could support a whole movie. Because so much happens in this movie where nothing happens at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Archie's personal plot felt like a very Riverdale plot, in a way. Because he's torn between staying with his uncle to go to a British university. Yeah. Or staying in Riverdale. Yeah. In the north of India with his family and friends. How can he best serve himself and his community? How does he define his community? This is all stuff that reminds me of, uh, in Riverdale, the television program, uh, Fred's... Mayor run? Yes. That that era of the yeah. show? This is compatible with that Archie from that season. Well, that's the thing. Like, it's very... The stories that are happening, such as that with Archie, is very mm-hmm. Archie comics. Very, yes. like, classic what would be happening to these characters in Riverdale. But you do kind of realize, wow, this is boring as a TV show or a movie. You gotta have. You gotta bring the heat. The cult. You gotta bring the friction. You gotta friction. have the Mothman. Not necessarily like, that heat, but you gotta bring some heat. Some murder. <laughs> like. They do commit some sort of democratic fraud, right? Obviously. Yes. yes. So, so the big plan to stop this uh, development is to have a, a petition with enough signatures that it immediately passes by the, the town board and has force of law. No, the elected officials yeah. that are bribable can't block it, right? Yeah. So they're going to collect signatures. Yes. And when they don't collect enough, <laughs> they decide to have a fair. And the way the fair and works... Th- this is when <laughs> you expect the Archies to perform and save the day, and they kind of do... But the lineup is not the Archies. No, there's one. Betty and Veronica are not in the band. There's someone in the band that they never name. In the in the opening, when you first see him, you think, oh, it's kind of a, a thicker, musclier guy. That must be Moose. It's, it's not. not. I don't know who it's this is. a different I man. Don't, I don't know who this dude is. He he never gets a name. We never <laughs> talk to him. He, he He's never seen any time other than in the band. But um, But at this fair, anything you want to do costs signatures you must provide adult signatures to like go to the fortune telling booth or uh deliver a signature you get a joke from from reggie all these booths that they're running no one says hey it must be from a different adult yeah, so it's implied if this kid wants their fortune told for three signatures we are just duplicating signatures. It's like, mom, dad, uncle, I get my fortune told. Oh, I'm going to get a baked goods from Betty. Mom, dad, uncle, give me a cookie. It's the same people. It has to be. Because it would make sense. Hey, you have to give a signature to enter. Yes, that would make perfect sense. That but would make too much sense. Not that you're buying goods. <laughs> also, I think that's probably illegal. Well, 
Dilton setting up a pirate radio station <laughs> is illegal, that and he does legal. get in trouble for it. His radio does get confiscated. Uh, That's the most heat. Dilton's a lawbreaker. Yeah. If you want a pleasant watch, mm-hmm. the the way that it makes everyone at their heart good is is pleasant. It's comforting. It's High School Musical, the musical, the series is what it is. Yes. <laughs> Yes, it is. That's my go-to reference for a, a, a narrative that needs villains but refuses to have them. Yeah. Yes. Because everyone eventually becomes your friend. Yeah. <laughs> or changes schools. To an absurd degree in the the finale when the evil French kid shows up and is neither evil nor French. Yes. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> So yeah, I think I think we're uh, <laughs> getting to the end. I think so. Uh, so I think um, you know if you enjoyed this, um, definitely go tell your friends. We got mm-hmm. three episodes left. We do, we do, and then a big post finale special. Yes, so four episodes. Four episodes. But we're getting there. We're mm-hmm. almost there. So tell your friends. Tell your friends. Leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, please, because that is what we give you. Uh, follow us on Twitter at sex underscore Archie. Mm-hmm, Let us mm-hmm. know if one of us predicted that thing from earlier. <laughs> I, uh, I don't know at this point. Uh, uh, I don't remember what I said last week, so. <laughs> you could just say, yes, I predicted it. No one's going to know. You probably said something rather rude that you wouldn't want to say in front of your brother. Well, your mother. She'd ask follow-up questions. Probably. <laughs> Anything else you want to promote? Uh, I recently launched a brand new show, much like this one. It is called Bizarre Podcast Space Puppets. My best friend Josh and I, uh, having run out of the animated uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, are now talking about Farscape, two episodes at a time. I'm kind of (laughs) jealous. Yeah. But I'm happy for you guys. (laughs) But jealous. I'll think of some things. We can squeeze you in. I'll figure something out. Uh, so, (laughs) uh, links will be provided. Links are very important because this is a premium show. Uh, the first, the first episode per season of Farscape is going to be free and publicly available to all. But if you want to hear the rest of the show, the real meat of it, uh, that is for donors at any level at the Chip and Ironicus Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Chip and Ironicus. Until, at least, until the point where we uh, uh, grow that to uh, $2,600 a month total, at which point everything is coming out of the vault. So uh, if you want to help people out to hear something that they'd really like to hear, but uh, even a dollar a month isn't in the cards right now, you're doing good. You're helping people out. That is the system there. That is the game we're playing. Uh, and we're having so much fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a great, great way to go support uh, and, and enjoy the entertainment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never... Our two shows, mm-hmm. going to be three, yes. Sex Archie will be succeeded by another program. Got a plan. Have never been supported by anything. Nope. <laughs> not ads, not Patreon, nope. not it. But uh, you can... You can go over to that one, and it'll still get to me, and by and me is our household. So, like, if you want to think of it that way, I don't mind. It feeds our dog. It does. It does. <laughs> Keeps her in canned food. 
But again, you should uh, uh, support that Patreon just because the show, uh, Space Puppets, is that good. Yeah. Uh, so with that, I'm Elena. I'm Grant, and from us here at Sex Archie, Hocus Pocus and Human Sacrifice. Coming for cuddles or to demand something? Stretchy. Stretchy doggy. (laughs) We're going to have a full walk later for that time. (laughs) That was a full on fart, Mookie. That wasn't even a toot. (laughs) I'm Elena. Take that from the top. Yeah, you don't you want, don't want to include our dog farting. It'll be the post uh, uh, credits. We don't do credits. You know what I mean. Hi, baby. <laughs>